Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. The state of Arizona says it has evidence that the Sackler family has been looting billions of dollars from Purdue Pharma, knowing the company was facing massive financial liabilities for its role in the opioid crisis. And Arizona is going straight to the Supreme Court with its case in a novel and brazen move. Joining me is Steve Sanders, a professor at the Morris School of Law at Indiana University. Steve, just how unusual is this straight to the Supreme Court? June, it's very unusual, and given the Supreme Court's track record of disfavoring this kind of action, I feel almost safe in saying that the state is doing this as a publicity stunt. I mean, we're talking about it, right? They're getting the attention that they want on the issue. The state, in its filing in the Supreme Court, says probably appropriately that the opioid crisis, uh, it calls it the worst man-made crisis in world history, talks about, you know, the thousands of lives that have been lost and the millions of dollars that this crisis has caused. But this suit specifically, as you said, is not against Purdue Pharma per se for its role. Purdue Pharma and other makers of opioids are facing lots of lawsuits from states and other entities and people who blame them for causing the opioid crisis through their marketing efforts and so forth. But this suit specifically alleges that the Sackler family, which owns Purdue Pharma, it's a privately held company, is is taking money out of the company wrongfully. Now, of course, owners are entitled to take money out of their companies, but most states, including Arizona, have laws that say you can't take money out if you're doing it in anticipation of the company going bankrupt or potentially not having sufficient resources to pay, for example, court judgments that might come against it. These are wrongful transfers of assets, essentially. It's, a, in many ways, a very garden variety claim. It's a state law claim. There's not even any federal law involved here. I really just think that Arizona is asking the Supreme Court to do this, to take this case directly in order to get to get attention for it. Article 3 of the Constitution does give the Supreme Court original jurisdiction in cases where a state is a party. How much discretion does the court have to turn states away? Well, the court clearly believes it has uh, complete discretion to do that. And you're right. So when the framers drafted the Constitution, they gave the Supreme Court both original jurisdiction, meaning you can go there and file your lawsuit in that court for the first time, and also appellate jurisdiction, meaning, you know, they correct errors that lower courts have made about the law. Most of the cases we're familiar with are a matter of the Supreme Court exercising its appellate jurisdiction, taking cases from lower courts and either affirming them or overturning them. But there is a couple of narrow categories of cases where the court has original jurisdiction. One is suits between one state and another state. Another category is suits where just the state is a party, but the other party is a private entity or private individuals. The Supreme Court in the last half century or so has occasionally taken cases between two states, often water disputes and boundary disputes. But it has 
pretty consistently turned away cases involving just where the state is a plaintiff or a defendant and the other party is not a state. The court believes those cases are better handled in the lower courts. There's some dispute about the court's ability to turn away cases involving two states. It's pretty clear, though, with a case like this one against the Sackler family that Arizona is bringing, the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction, but it doesn't have what's called exclusive jurisdiction, and it doesn't have mandatory jurisdiction. And so the Supreme Court really is not well equipped to sit as a trial court where facts are sifted through and there have to be depositions and witnesses and so forth. The Supreme Court typically appoints a special master, a sort of specialized attorney who plays judge and handles all of that stuff that would ordinarily happen in a trial court. And then the Supreme Court decides what to do with that report. I think here it's based on its track record, based on the facts. It's pretty clear the Supreme Court is going to take the attitude, look, file your case in the appropriate court, a state court, or if you have a federal theory, file it in federal court. And if the issues are important enough, someday we'll get to it, maybe. Did Justice Clarence Thomas, in dissent, suggest that the Supreme Court should be taking these cases? Well, several years ago, two states, Oklahoma and Nebraska, I believe it was, sued the state of Colorado, saying that Colorado's decision to legalize marijuana was having detrimental effects on their states and their state interests. And so they filed suit directly, and so they attempted to file suit directly in the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court declined to hear it. That's where Justice Thomas's dissent came about. Justice Thomas may have a little better argument that the Supreme Court does doesn't have the discretion, either under the Constitution or statutory law, which fills in the details of jurisdiction. It's more of a question whether the Supreme Court has the ability to turn aside cases between two different states, because the Supreme Court is the only court that can hear that. The other courts don't have jurisdiction to hear those. Here, I don't think Justice Thomas was referring to this kind of case, where only one party is a state. It's more clear in federal law that here the the Supreme Court does have discretion because there is nothing preventing Arizona from filing this case in some other lower court. Nearly every state is suing Purdue. I think it's about 48 out of 50. So one wonders why the Supreme Court would just hear a case by one state. But Arizona's AG told the New York Times that he knew the suit was a long shot, but, quote, sometimes you've just got to throw deep. Well, you know, there's some speculation that Arizona's jockeying to sort of uh, take the lead role among the states. Uh, you know, the various states may be fighting to see who controls this litigation, if it's consolidated in some way. But once again, I think, you know, one could also interpret that statement by Arizona's attorney general as, you know, we want to get a lot of attention for this case. We want people to be talking about it. We want to draw attention to the opioid crisis and to the role that pharmaceutical manufacturers and their own have played, and, you know, what do we have to lose by filing this suit? It'll probably get turned down, but we'll get lots of attention and lots of publicity on this, um, you know, serious crisis as a result. Also, Oklahoma has settled with Purdue for $270 million. Purdue recently announced it's considering bankruptcy, so I would expect that the states are kind of jockeying for position. 
Well, and, and again, they'll, they'll be jockeying to see who's going to get to the trough to actually make sure that judgments they may obtain can be covered. But once again, if Purdue is contemplating bankruptcy, that's exactly what laws like this one in Arizona and other states are intended to prevent. They're intended to prevent a company from transferring assets away from itself into the hands of owners or other people when it knows that it's going to need these resources potentially to pay off judgments. So, you know, there's nothing frivolous in the legal claims that Arizona is making. Arizona is basically saying this is so urgent that we can't wait for years for it to work its way through the courts. We need to start at the top. Well, it's a fascinating issue. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. Happy to do it. That's Steve Sanders, a professor at the Morris School of Law at Indiana University. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.